so. Well, okay, I'll, I'll introduce you. Mm-hmm. Hello, and I'm here in Vienna with Martin Lichtmess of Secession. Is that, am I pronouncing it correctly? No, uh, it's Secession, you know. Secession. But Jared uh, Ter- Taylor did it well. He said, he writes for a magazine whose name will make every southerner's heart leap with joy. <laughs> Secession. <laughs> A magazine for white people. <laughs> Not exactly, but yeah. All right. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you um, to talk about the German character. Mm-hmm. And you're obviously you're Austrian. Yeah. Are you? What is your ancestry? Do you know the? Because we were wondering about your name. Ah, yeah. So just uh, kind of interesting. Um, well, hardware to start. You know, I mean. For for many uh, people, either they think Germans and Austrians are the same, or they think they're completely different, mm. and both is false. Yeah. Right. So so to speak, um, uh, I I'd say that um, the the uh, for me the Austrian identity is always connected to uh, a thing that goes beyond Germany into the old Habsburg Empire. Yeah. Right. And. Uh, Austria is a country which is, if you look on the map, right on the center, it's the country that connects the Slavic and the German countries or the Germanic countries. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And so we are, we are rather so in the middle and in between, you know, and in a way we are also sort of mongrels, central European mongrels in that, you know. Genetically but, or just culturally? Uh, both, yeah. But there are also differences because Austrians are also another unity. I mean, there are differences between people from Tyrolia, from Carinthia, uh, people from Lower Austria, different from Viennese. Uh, we also have several different dialects. So it's interesting if you, if you, uh, it's like a camera from space. <laughs> and, um, if you look on space and then you go down and then all becomes really diverse, you know, to use this, this ugly tainted word. Mm-hmm. So Austrians are also very, very diverse in that mm-hmm. way. And if you ask me for my ancestry, yeah, well, I can, if I look at the names in my family, I can trace my family to Hungary, to Slovenia, to, to Czechia and all that. So, uh, so I, I, for my part, I'm a really Austrian monarchy mongrel, so to speak. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. So an Austromat. Aust- yeah, an Austromat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great, and I'm so. Well, I can, as far as I can tell, all my ancestors were speaking German, as far as I can trace them back. But they had these names to point to different origins, yeah, origins where they came from. Yeah. Right, okay. So, but in the end, they were German-speaking. Were Catholics. Um, there's one of my favorite novels about Austrian monarchy is by Josef Roth. Uh, he was a great writer. It's called Radetzky Marsch. So it's a march music which was very popular in the 19th century uh, and it's fascinating because it tells the story about how a guy from Slovenia he's surfing in the Austrian army and he saves the emperor's life uh, he catches the bullet that was uh, intended for the emperor in the battle of Solferino when the emperor was still young and he gets um, aristocrat by that you know yes. so and at that point he try he decides to cut off his, his Slovenian roots uh, he doesn't speak a word Slovenian anymore and he wants to be a real Austrian now. And now all his life is the purpose how to serve the emperor, how to serve the monarchy. 
And uh, so in the succession of the story, his, his son takes over this heritage, but the grandson is already in a state of decadence. He's starting to fail. And this is when the novel becomes really sad and tragical when World War I starts and um, the son dies and the emperor dies and everything dies and so, yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I was always fascinated by this novel because it was also a story about a patriarchal succession that fails at one point. So you have this line of fathers in the novel. The, 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 the father... The, on top is God, it's Godfather, mm-hmm. and then comes the Emperor, and the Emperor at that point was uh, supposed to be a religious thing, you know, he was not the president, he was, no. you know, his power came from God, mm-hmm. and he was very a uh, believer, and uh, the next father is the father from, from, from uh, Trotter, then comes his son, and then comes his grandson, and there's a patriarchal succession. Women play no role in it, but in the end, it fails, you know, the thing fails, and this is when the whole thing collapses. So it's also about the collapse of, of uh, patriarchy. But, you know, um, it's, it's difficult... I could go on for hours now. Maybe, maybe uh, we should not talk so much about Austrian literature. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could go from anywhere to anything that might be interesting, you know. Mm. Well, mm. let's hear. As an Austrian, how yeah. do you how do you view the Germans? Because mm-hmm. from the point of view of yeah. an outsider, yeah, Austria seems like the little brother of Germany. Sure. Mm. And so I want to know how do you view the Germans, the German psyche, <laughs> that kind mm. of thing, and how true. Are the stereotypes of the Germans mm-hmm, to mm-hmm, you as an Austrian? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, let's see where to start. First, um, my own experience with Germany was I lived there for 15 years in Berlin. And uh, it made me very aware of my Austrian identity. Right. Um, I wasn't that before because I was surrounded like a fish in the water with Austrians. And now I'm in the uh, north or east of Germany. And um, for some reason, people react very positively to you. They love your accent and uh, they generally like Austrians, you know. Mm-hmm. I have and, to say, I had a similar yeah. experience when I moved to London. Uh-huh. You suddenly realize, oh, I am Scottish. Yeah. Although the, the one difference was that people didn't like me. <laughs> was it your character? It or was, was no, it was them. The Alright, it was them. Okay, uh, it was, was their character. Yeah, I was yeah it was their character. <laughs> what about the Irish? Oh, <laughs> they hate <laughs> the Irish. Get, let's not get into okay, that. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's just complicating yeah. matters. All right, no, so I know so, what you mean. Yeah. Though, mm. like when you go yeah. to the mm. metropolis, yeah. you yeah. realize, oh yes, yeah, yeah. So okay, now it's important to know that also Germans have a huge diversity. You know, I mean, this is one thing I have been saying over and over again. We don't need any diversity in Europe because we already have a huge diversity. And even uh, each nation has a huge diversity. So especially in Germany is notoriously uh, diverse and often torn and uh, nation full of conflicts. It was hard to unite it and it probably will fall apart again. There was a conflict between Protestants and Catholics, between uh, North and and, and, and south and so on and um between east and west sure so in, everywhere you have and it's a center it's interesting because as i said austria is, is is in the center of europe but if you look even closer then germany is in the center of europe and this has also been 
a fatal thing, uh, politically speaking, you know, because Germany was always in a position where it was... Between France and Russia. Yeah, it was between two fronts, and it was... If you have a central position, you have a key political position to a continent. And so, of course, Germany used to be a battleground for many political things. So, the, the curious thing is that um, it's, it's mean, it's unfair, like life is... But uh, the love for Austrians is not so returned in Austria to Germans, especially those from north and 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 and, and east east more. But you know the North Germans are not so popular here. We have this word Piefke. Um, I don't know if the story is correct, but uh, the one I have in my head is that in 1866 there was the Prussian-Austrian War, and um, Austria lost and. Um, the peace uh, treaty was signed in, in Vienna and there was this guy from Berlin, his name was Piefke and this sucker, he composed some victory march and he really annoyed the, the, the Viennese and so they came up with this bad word, they said that the Piefke, yeah. Right. But the Piefke are, for example, not Bavarians or so. Bavarians are different types of Germans, you know, they are closer to us in, 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 in character, in the way they speak, they're also Catholics, they're Alpine and so on. So we have this, 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 this diversity. And now, is a, a Pivka like an Uncle Tom? No, a Pivka is more like like um, an arrogant, or unsympathetic being. Uh, you know, this, there used to be this stereotype of a German, uh, which dates back to the Wilhelminian time. Uh, this German who is Prussian, rough, uh, very pushy, very self-assured, arrogant, and so on. This is the stereotype we have of mm. of some Germans still today. You know, yeah. I mean, it's it's getting old, and I think nobody's really taking it serious. It, uh, there's no evidence for it now. Uh, no, no. <laughs> I wish they would be back. Yeah. Where, 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 the, where are the arrogant, self-assured Piefkes? They have died, you know. I even miss them, you know. Yeah. So, so bad things have gotten that I even, even, that I even miss the Piefkes, you know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the other side, I mean, okay, here's a joke. Um, uh, sometimes when I try to explain to foreigners different between German Germans and Austrian Germans, and I'm simplifying things a lot, but I say, okay, Listen the way they sound. Um, you have it sometimes in movies, Monty Python's, when you get this parody on German language, how it is in English ears. Like German Germans are like, Hop, up to hit you, Slotermeyer, yeah, the false sauerkraut, Firehundes, hit you, yeah, so, ta. And, 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 uh, Austrian, Viennese, especially sounds like this. So it's more like a waltz. It has this swinging sound and it's more relaxed. And so, and this is what they say. Like, I mean, it's like the antagonism between Prussians and Bavarians. They say, okay, Prussians are rough, tough, disciplined, you know. So, and, and, and Austrians are more relaxed. They like the waltz. They like the drink. They say, yeah, take it easy, you know, especially in Vienna. It's a cliche, but. But it's all cliches have have a yes. truth in them, you know, a grain of truth. So when I lived in Germany, there was a paradox happening. I came both aware of my Austrian identity, and I became aware of my German identity. You know, to me, it's all a thing that is uh, one thing, you know, and it is historically one thing. And here's a here's the next uh, part of it. Most Austrians have forgotten about that, you know. They have forgotten that there was not a Austrian emperor until, I don't know, 18, 1886, because it was the German emperor, you know. And the German emperor was for centuries in Vienna, in the Hofburg, the Habsburgers were mm -hmm. the rulers of the Holy Roman Empire of a German nation, you know. 
So Austria was always part of Germany, of the German nation. You know, it only started to sort of you know split ways at the time when when Napoleon took over Europe and and the old empire fell apart. You know, so and and a uh, few Austrians are aware of that. Now there's the thing: Austrians are generally liked in Germany, and my theory is because we like ourselves. Yeah, mm. it's it's uh, we we don't have this. Uh, of course, we have it as well, you know. But generally speaking, on the average, the average Austrian will not have this degree of self hatred and guilt complex as Germans have, you know. Yeah. And this makes you likable because people who don't like themselves, you don't like them, you know. Mm. They are kind of annoying, like a pebble in in your shoe all the time. You know, oh, yeah, that's great, but let's talk about Holocaust guilt. I mean, my nation has committed the greatest crime ever, and you don't want to talk with people like that. It's annoying, you know. Yeah, yeah. For, I, I feel I must apologize yeah. for my nation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, you, we could sit here and we yeah. could we we could have a, a masochist vanquest and I say, oh no, but British imperialism was really really bad no but we were worse we were worse <laughs> so, and then some Russian guy comes and say okay I tell you uh, <laughs> I have the 20 million joker with Stalin and so I mean imagine a world like that where everybody's competing who committed the greater crime you know <laughs> Terrible, yeah, yeah, terrible. So, um, and what is the reason for that? Um, I simplify again, you know, um, uh, but it's fun to simplify. Um, the Austrians had a sort of trick that after World War Two they said, yeah, well, basically it was the Piefkes and was not us and uh, forget that Hitler was Austrian. Uh, we were also victim. We were occupied in 38 like Czechoslovakia and now we are free again. And so um, we kind of, you know, got out of it by shifting all the blame <laughs> to the Piefke and the Germans and so, yeah. And um, of course, this was not quite uh, honest. But on the other hand... Um, I think, I know it's a bit heretical what I say here, in the long run it had a good effect, you know, because it it uh, sort of was a shield to this Manichaean view mm. of history, you know. I mean, if you look at this time of Third Reich and Third World War, things are not black and white, uh, no, Second World War, things are not that black and white, things are often complicated, and in Germany... People, uh, They've gone straight for a black and white view. Sure, but the thing is, this is also a thing of the German character in 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 um, um, uh, opposition to Austrian character. Um, Germans like to do everything just perfect, you know, and even if they're you know atoning for the guilt, they want to do it perfect, better than anybody else. They want to be the best in the class, you know. Mm -hmm. And this is a, a constant thing of their national character, you know. So, so people who were the greatest national socialists before the war, after the war, became the greatest uh, atoners and the greatest, you know, self-regulations and all that became the great. You know, yeah. in in the east, they became diehard communists. In the West, they became diehard uh, Western liberal pro-America uh, people, yeah. and so so just and, and they made it. You know, they always want to make it uh, completely happening. You know, yes. and they want to make it sure. There's another thing that um, that, for example, Adorno. Uh, okay, he was not uh, very nice about Germans, uh, but he said one thing which is correct. He says um, a German cannot say a lie without believing it. Yeah. Uh -huh. And this is very, very true, you know. So there's, there's a, 
so this makes you also look at what's happening today in Germany, you know, the, the cult of multiculturalism, of open borders and so the way they wanted to make it completely, you know, they want to make it, I, I'm, I'm searching for this word in German, gründlich, gründlich, how do you say it in, in, in English? Uh, total. Totally. You, yeah. And in Austria it's different, you know, which is... We don't, we don't have to be yeah, perfect. We have an easier, the, yeah. There seems to be mm. more of the Italian thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of sort of mix of the easy going. Take this. Um, Austrians are the Italians among the Germans. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, we, we are sort of missing link between Germany and Italy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, we, we have a border to Italy, actually. Yeah. We have southern Tyrolia. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, there seems to be a commonality. So there's this one thing. And another aspect of this is, um, if there is one sort of xenophobia that is allowed in Germany, then it's uh, German bashing, yes. anti-German bashing. So you can talk about the beef again. So, but the thing is, it's a very harmless thing because in the end, everybody knows it's not serious. You know, it's more like, uh, teasing among a family because even though after 1945, um, we Austrians developed this thing. We are totally distinct from Germans, you know, which was not the case before that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I can give you many historical examples that even when there was a tiny Austrian nation after World War One, there was, um, of course, everybody was clear, we are Germans, you know. Mm-hmm. We are just different types of Germans. We don't need the same nation, you know. I mean, just like Bavaria says, we don't need the nation, we need our kingdom and so on. Um, so... Um, uh, so there's a, a consciousness that has shifted ever since, and uh, but still it has never gotten away. For a simple thing, there's the language, you know, and there are family relations, there are history, and so so whenever you have Piefke bashing in in Austria, um, it's a it's a typical sport, you know, everybody does it, but it's not serious, you know, yeah. it's not serious. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, when I um, after many years in Germany came back to Austria and I realized all these people that had stayed here, you know, and the way they were thinking about Germany, I felt it was very naive and very provincial, you know. They would mm. ask me, so, why are you talking about Germany all the time? Do you want an Anschluss? I say, no, I don't want Anschluss, especially not on, on, on Merkel Germany, you know. I'm happy where we are, you know. Mm. But um, we have to think in a bigger way. And this is uh, another problem with Austria which has good and bad sides as well, we think we get away by becoming Switzerland, you know? So there's a Switzerlandization of Austria happened ever since 1945, you know? And we are hoping that we are in our bunker. It also is enforced by this tradition, um, you know, the way we, we got out of the Eastern Western bloc tension was that we signed this treaty and it said we are neutral, you know? So, of course, de facto, we were part of the Western Bloc, but in a military sense, we were not part of the NATO. We were neutral, you know. And this is when the Russians and the uh, Americans agreed to to end the occupation, you know, and to make Austria free again. Because right. until the at one point, they didn't know what to do with Austria, you know. Germany was split in two. Parts of Germany were assigned to Poland, what to do with Austria. You could technically also have split it up, you know, and one part to Western Germany, one part to wherever, yeah. But so they left us as a 
tiny free nation. And so there's this sense we are neutral, we are like a Switzerland, and we survive in our bunker in the yeah. Alps. Yeah. But, I mean, mm-hmm. the other side of that is that Germany is, is still occupied, which must have a psychological effect mm-hmm. on the Germans. I mean, the, the Austrians have a They're not that. aware of it. They're not mm-hmm. aware of it, no. I mean, um, obviously it's not like I think their mili- their military bases of USS still in in Germany because Germany is in NATO and so yeah, mm. but the sense of being occupied is not very big because also the way occupation works today is more like a soft power you know I would say um, yeah I would agree that Germany to a large extent is not a sovereign nation yeah mm. but um, the way power yes, works is, is, is different is, is is more subtle and so yeah i mean one example is uh sure the press the media you know the media we have today all dates back to the time after the war and it was all licensed by the americans you know and it was also influenced by the americans and it still is you know so i mean we we, we do have this also this problem of the media having lots of power you know to control uh, so opinions and all that and um of course media was mostly in our country pro america pro western and all that you know of course it's it's not that simple of a picture but the media dates back to the licensed media and it hasn't become really independent by now but this has become something that is um you know um people are best enslaved if they're not realizing they are, you know what of I mean? Course. They think they are sovereign. They think they're doing it for themselves, you know? Mm. And, um, there are other things, you know, uh, I'm going into typical right wing stuff now here. Uh, and also I would, you know, uh, there's more going on than just that. But of course the image the Germans have of themselves today is basically the image that was sold to them during the re-education era. Yeah? Denazification. Yeah, denazification and re-education was called, you know. So it, uh, the word re-education means, or the idea was, um, these backward Germans, they have to be educated to liberal Western democracy, you know, mm-hmm. because they have been so backwards and reactionary and so And this was the idea, you know, to really to change their minds about all that. And a similar thing happened in, in Eastern Europe, of course, under a different doctrine, in this it was communism mm. uh so and in that process uh, germans kind of lost their own point of view you know mm. they adopted the the american point of view or they adopted the soviet point of view but they really lost their own point of view i mean it was always there to some extent but it kind of disappeared and now it's so deeply internalized in them you know they can't tell anymore that it's something different from them. You know, it has become them. You know, they have become. So I, I, I'd say one cannot underestimate the fact that Germany is a defeated nation. You know, and that the defeat, the trauma of defeat, of a total surrender, of occupation, uh, of the trauma of 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 the war and all the things that happened and were done, has deeply affected the German psyche. Oh yeah. And I think you have to go there to understand what is happening today. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah. So uh, I mean do you think that seventy years is that it it seems obviously that the trauma keeps going, but also the 
the systems of German society perpetuate the trauma. Sure. Consciously, day sure. from day to day. I mean, the, mm. you, I, I've seen German media, you know, I, mm. I know what it's like, and it's mm. non-stop guilt tripping and mm. magazine the, the thing the thing the thing is they don't realize anymore it's guilt mm. tripping you know i had discussions with people that tell me what the hell are you talking about this you use this word national masochism you know mm. which is sort of the other extreme from the national chauvinism or national socialism and now they come into the other extreme people say what are you talking about we we are aware of our past that's all we have learned from the mistakes of history you know so it's so deeply deeply immersed they don't realize it anymore how much they're affected by that they're obsessed with the shame that's yes, the thing. yes. They keep going on and on hmm. uh, i mean there's an awful lot that could be said about yeah. this you have to forgive yourself mm. and the Germans are not being allowed to forgive themselves. Yeah, and it's more than that. It's 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 this shame, you know, becomes a consuming black hole mm. It consumes all the rest of history. So history is reduced to 12 years, which, yes. are, which are presented in a very Manichaean way and everything else, you know, becomes soaked up, you know, it, it, it sort of disappears and it becomes like you can go back and say, okay, Emperor Willem, or Martin Luther, or even, I don't know, the, the Germanics who fought the Romans, uh, Arminius, they're all as ancestors of Hitler, you know? It all leads to that one point, and therefore it must be uh, parched. parched, yeah? And you see, in Austria, we have this way out because we have a different history, and we have this this positive few, for example, of the Habsburgers. They are still very popular, yeah? For example, Empress Maria Theresia, She's a name that rings a bell with many Austrians. Yeah, many think of her in very positive ways. Or, of course, Emperor Franz Josef, you know, with, with, with the beard. There's a nostalgia for this. You know, there's a feeling of, wow, these were our golden days and these were good. And so, and, uh, this is why we, we have a bit more of a positive history here. Yeah. The poor Germans, you know, They're they don't, anything. they don't have much left. You know, yeah. they have maybe some local traditions. One I'm really fond of. Yeah. I mean, it's very difficult to be romantic about social democracy. It's very r difficult to think, well, the last 17 years, what a golden age. What a wonderful time. Yeah, wow, this, this was a great time when Willy Brandt fell on his knees in, in Warsaw, <laughs> you know, so wow, this were the golden days, yeah. Uh, or, or when, when Conrad Adenauer installed the Wirtschaftswund and everybody was growing fat and stupid. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> And everyone was equal. They, 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 yeah, yeah. There's, no, there's nothing. There's nothing great. Nothing inspiring in it. Yeah. No. And, and this and, is the thing yeah. about egalitarianism. It does yeah. actually lead to this egalitarian legacy of nothingness. Yeah. But there's nothing to remember about it. Mm, yeah. And this is the point. You just switch into this. Um, you know this. Uh, Temptation of becoming cosmopolitan, you know, of mm -hmm. becoming a citizen of the world. And now, in a typical German way, Germans want to be the first in the class. They say, okay, we are going to be the most globalist, cosmopolitan citizens ever, you know, we're gonna show them, you know, we're gonna, we, 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 yeah, yeah. The Yeah, the Swedes, yeah, they, they sort of tried to compete, but you see, they're already screwed. Um, so the Germans are still, still, um, I mean, there was a fascinating thing happening in 2015, um, when the refugee crisis escalated. I mean, it had started before. It was the summer 2015. We had this huge, um, influx of, 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 of migrants. 
And um, then in September, Merkel decided to pull open the border and was a flood. And so, and it was interesting the way it was sold by the media. Um, they were kind of selling the people a sort of Ersatzvolksgemeinschaft. Do you know the word Volksgemeinschaft? No. Volksgemeinschaft is a word that means um, uh, the, the uh, how should I say it? Volksgemeinschaft. Hard to translate, you know. So the, the word folk in in German Germany has has a certain aura and tradition you know it's not just people you know folk is really um yes it's a sort a of deep rooted yeah. community with a destiny and it goes back to the romantic era and even before and so and in, in national socialism they had this um notion of volksgemeinschaft as a, the 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 community of the people uh it had a certain ideological purpose for example, to soften class struggle, you know, they were competing with communism and they said, okay, so we make the community, this folk. there was an idea of solidarity in it, you know, even of socialism, yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, the word is, is tainted now, you can't use it. And of course, the idea of having any sort of solidaric community of the folk, of the people is tainted, you know. So you don't want people to get too close, to solidarity, to identify the people, you know. There was one point in history when it happened in a very emotional way when the wall came down, you know. This was when, um, uh, for example, GDR, they used the word folk people in every other institution, you know. They were talking about nothing else, but they had this thing, uh, the, the government represented the people, according to communist doctrine, you know, and when the demonstrations came up, people said, we sind das Volk, you know, we are the people, not you and the government. And when the war came down, they would say, we sind ein Volk, you know. It was a very emotional moment. All of a sudden, these this two parts of the people that split apart, they united again. They were really like, these are our brothers, these are part of so our, our people. people. Yeah, we, we are, are one people. We are one people. You know, it was a very emotional moment. And of course, this is a thing that some people thought was terrible and dangerous. And at the time, it was systematically discouraged. Is the, this the word? They, yeah, they didn't, did, yeah, yeah. They did, they did not want this have too close. They didn't want too much emotion. And anytime we have, I don't know, they had football um, games in 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 uh, with the World Cup football uh, soccer World Cup, you know. Um, the emotion breaks through, and then come all these these people say, "Ah, oh, no, no, they must not have too much emotion, you know. Don't be too happy if we win at the World Cup, you know. It's dangerous. Next, first, first uh, we we uh, are happy and cheer with our national team, and the next thing we do, we march in goose step on the Brandenburg Gate. So this is this fear. There's a fear of emotion, you know. A fear. <laughs> you a fear. Apologize for winning. Yeah, yeah. You almost apologize for winning. So, ah, I'm sorry, dear Brazil. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> screw you but uh yeah we're sorry so <laughs> so uh yeah so there's a fear of emotion also and a fear of positive emotion and now is the thing back to the refugee crisis of 2015 yes, that, that, that yeah positive emotion is channeled that's it that's yeah. it this is exactly what they were doing it was fascinating to watch it i mean they were, the young women is the ones who are wanting to be happy yeah yeah absolutely absolutely happy. all of a sudden there was a way to be one people united in a solidaric thing in order to welcome refugees you know yeah and and the papers were pushing it you know it was and then, of uh, course the refugees yeah. are part of that yeah so. sure 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 
Also, so I, I remember the, the Spiegel, you know, it's like our Time magazine. He was pushing the envelope hard, you know, it was almost a satire. Spiegel is, in fact, has become a meme, you know, it's a satire, it's, it's, it's a joke. And back then, they had this double cover. So the Spiegel is our Pravda. It's like, it has become a meme. And so in, in, in summer 2015, they had a cover, um, which had two sides. And one was saying, um, das helle Deutschland, the bright Germany. And you could see, and I kid you not, it was a, a party of children and they were against the blue sky and yeah. they had these multicolored balloons rising in the air and all happy and nice and multicultural. And then you turn around and then you have this old Gothic type that says dark Germany and you see an asylum home burning, you know, and it's all in brown and black and it's dark and so on. And this, oh so, so you see they were, they were just kidding people. They were, but people, people took the bait. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, um, offer to people to accept finally a positive identity where we can be one and we can serve a common good cause, you know, which is a deep longing in the German soul. You know, Germans desperately want to be good, you know, and German are, Germans are, I think, deep in their hearts, they are solidaric people, they are social people, you know, they, 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 they are not like Americans, individualists, you know. Um, they, they, they are people who actually deep inside like to be a folk, you know, but they're not allowed to. And now in a perverse way, they were made to be a, a Volksgemeinschaft, which is just there to finally make this folk disappear. You know, mm -hmm. this, 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 this is what, what is, is the long run. In the long run, if this policy continues, the Germans will disappear. You know, this is what, what, what the people in the Anglosphere, they call it white genocide. And it is a sort of white genocide mm -hmm. because demographically, when they appear, they won't be there anymore. You have, will have people maybe who speak German, you know, but, but that's all, that's about it, you know, yeah. that's about it. Yeah. Well, indeed, I mean, there's a lot more that could be said, obviously, but we're running out of power yeah. and we're being thrown out of the place. So we'll so we switch to a different place. I'll yeah, find one, yeah. We'll cut it short there. So mm -hmm. uh, thank mm -hmm. you, Martin Lickness. Yeah. And thank you for watching. I hope this has been interesting. Bye-bye. <laughs> You're in the mood for a continuum? Yeah, fine.